the right things press the right buttons what's up everybody happy wednesday and welcome to another episode of machines magnetism and mayhem that is uh with our special guest chris dewitt so we've got tony and greg in the house today they're um happy to be back it's nice and early in the morning so if you're watching drop us a comment or tag a friend who loves tattoos in the chat um, if you're watching and you'd like to you know chime on in that chat will be watching the entire episode as well as if you'd like to join the Zoom on these, our calendar is on reinventingthetattoo.com. Scroll to the bottom and you'll see the link there. Other than that, if you guys are new to Reinventing the Tattoo, we have lots of cool stuff that's been happening, whether it's education-based, uh, travel-based, um, in-person events, all that good stuff. The next time that we'll probably see you guys is at Hell City, coming up on May 19th to 21st. And there we'll have different uh, seminar rooms and all of that good stuff. If you go to reinventingthetattoo.com slash hellcity, you'll see the different various events and our schedule there. Uh, other than that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, tell you guys about some of our weekly shows happening. And if you'd like to chime in on those, they're happening um, on YouTube just the same. Every Sunday at 1 o'clock, we have Reinventing Drawing Group with Jason Leeser. Um, it's Skill Building Sunday, so bring something you're working on, something you're curious about, and that is a perfect place for um, a judgment-free atmosphere to talk about art. Also on Mondays at 9 a.m., we have Drawing for Tattooers, led by James Wisdom. Later in the evening at 5 p.m. Eastern, we have Robbie Rapoles, Let's Talk About Feelings. Um, also on Mondays is our Canon Weekly Exercises, led by Sandy McAndrew. On uh, Wednesdays, we have our business Tattoo Now Business Roundtable, and if you'd like more information about that, TattooNowBusinessRoundtable.com. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern is Tattoo Collecting 101, led by Fawn Baker in, um, out of Red Tree Tattoo. Other than that, uh, let's go ahead and bring in the guys of the hour. Probably like looking at them a lot more than me. Tony, Greg, how's it going? Hey. Hey. What's up? How you doing today, Lauren? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I was just telling Chris that the weather is looking nice, and he, I'm sure, in Columbus is going to be a nice hot weekend for him too. Pretty happening. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be 80 here in Pittsburgh. Greg's Greg's by the beach. You surfing this weekend, dude? Hells to the no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get out there and get bit? Sharks, you know. Running these walk-ups. I got a bunch <laughs> of old national flag, like uh, old. Old ass flash, so I'm ready to rock. You know, nice. like like when you go to a convention, don't don't put your own drawings out. Just put old shit out. People love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I did like a Carrie Barba tattoo on somebody's stomach last last month. Oh, cool. A... <laughs> I kind of nice. miss flash days. Like I used to love like Judy Parker flash. Just that stuff is just so well done and man, the good yeah. old days, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I bought somebody stole my Judy Parker flash years ago, like when oh. I first opened my shop in the 90s. And uh, I ran into her about seven years ago. She was selling off all that old flash again. Wow. So I ended up buying it all back. It was pretty cool. That's I have cool. it all again. I should bust that out, man. I used to love her stuff back in the 90s, early 2000s, <laughs> before the street yeah, all that ink. Just yeah. All ink. Yeah, just pen and ink, dude. She's, yeah. she's a it's beautiful she's stuff. Cool. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, my friend John, he found this like the, this uh, book full of old flash, and he's like, hey, I think this is yours. And he, um, so I go over his house and I look at it. It's like 
like I don't know six six sheets of original Aaron Kane flash, mm-hmm. like pristine condition, and I'm like, is this mine? I don't know. <laughs> like, where did you hey, get this? This is mine. <laughs> yes, yes, I have these three pages <laughs> that they're. They're huge. They're like 14 by 16. They're Guy Aitchison Flash. I only have three of them. It's like his first Flash that the never I've never even seen it before. It was when he was uh I can't remember the, the shop in Chicago he's working at, but guilty I don't know and if innocent. Really rare or what? Guilty and innocent. I have his. Uh, no, it was it was before Guilty and Innocent. It was like when he was working at someone else's shop. It was like this oh, he's is- working with uh, Mr. Max. And, yeah, and Matt Jack. So this was like Flash from then. Yeah, wow. check that out. Rare. Like I've never seen it anywhere else. Yeah, I have I got, his. Uh, remember the menstrual toaster poster? Yeah, I have that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I bought that in the nineties. And, and do you remember he used to send out um, a, a fold-up flyer? It had all the Flash, his T-shirts, and the posters in it. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. I still have that. I saved that. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool but anyhow we should probably get the show started yeah <laughs> well we started it but hi my name is tony urbanic i am the host of machines magnetism and mayhem and my guest host is greg d jacento i said it right and said uh, it right. i still can't took, spell it right but i said it right. 15 years and, uh, <laughs> Here we get together with other machine builders that are like-minded and crazy like ourselves. And we talk about crazy. tattoo machines, obviously. We talk about magnetism, what drew us to what we do and what draws us to continue in our friendships, et cetera. And the mayhem of our lives, being fathers, being builders, traveling, running shops, et cetera. So that's what we do here. And um yeah, it's it's crazy to have all of us in this room. Our special guest today is Chris DeWitt from Amoeba Designs. Chris is based out of Columbus, Ohio. He works at Riot Inc. Ohio. I met him. Uh, we figured out roughly around 2003. Also at the meeting, of the Mark. I believe that's where me and you met. Also, Greg. And uh, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think so. I yeah, had and, to be. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Chris's work, but he was back in the biomech carving days in the early 2000s. He had his own unique style, his own unique way of doing things that really caught my attention and made me super fucking jealous. And uh, I gravitated towards him. I met him. I bought one of his machines and I just he was just the, one of the nicest people I've ever met in converse with very talented very original very unique and uh building sculptures and does knives and does rotaries his rotaries are unique like everything he does is in my opinion very unique and uh it's a style of his own right and he went dark if he went dark for him and i lost touch for probably about a decade like after yeah so it was nice to uh i've been thinking about him it was nice to see him resurface and get him back in the game and have him on the show and yeah i know a lot of people miss miss you chris and like to hear about where you've been what you've been doing what's up like out here so um just been uh the man doing it to it um like you, like we were talking, I went through some hernia surgeries about four years ago, had like 
double repair and then a repair on the the one that didn't quite take it's my fault but uh yeah just kind of the last three years three four years i just decided i haven't i don't want to get out and do conventions i've been sitting at home just uh me and the fiance have a really cool little house, you know, house kind of not in the country, but got chickens and been gardening, tattooing, nice. making knives, got into pouring resin, just crafting stuff. That's cool. That's awesome. But Chicken. yeah, I'd like to get back out and start doing some conventions again. I kind of I miss it. You know, I miss seeing you guys, miss seeing just getting that inspiration when you go to a convention and coming back home like we're greg and i were talking a little bit ago you come back home and then you procrastinate you know yeah all these ideas you get, you get all, home four months later i'll get to hurry it. Up and get all like get all hyped for nothing and you, well, you, you guys are all... talking I'm gonna pull up some of chris's work in the background for everybody yeah pull up some of his his newest stuff he has some really cool rotors i know helton wanted to be on here rich helton from blood money but he uh he has a pretty bad cold i talked to him uh, this morning uh, and I know you guys are boys. He he likes your stuff a lot, so he sends his regards. Oh. He's actually listening in. He might pop in briefly. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, Rich is an awesome Doing dude. There. <laughs> <laughs> wow, nice. a- there's all your jigs. Oh yeah, red. I call them redneck jigs. Oh, you should see mine, dude. They're out of out of square blocks. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that works. A to B, baby. Heck yeah! Is that how you get a lot? Do you mig weld, or how do you? Yeah, I mig weld. Um, I've done a little brazing. I'm not real comfortable with it, but I just I kind of years ago I got I bought a welder, taught myself how to weld just by putting stuff together, and I figured out a way to get really clean mig welds. Just uh, and of course, yeah, since I carve everything, I don't have to worry about blobs because i'm going to either carve them off or i'm going to turn them into part of the frame so it just really works and i like how i could just really sandwich two pieces of steel together and get like a really good solid metal bond with it so you can throw that machine against the wall if it pisses you off and it ain't going nowhere <laughs> yeah you get that waxy textury it's it's super cool texture i get it i see i see how you get the flow yeah, when I was like carving stuff, that was like when I was MIG welding and I had, you know, I had this idea that like you could blob it on and like give yourself extra stuff to carve. Right. Which is really cool. That's what I kind of see a lot of that in what in your work here. It looks really awesome. Yeah, you know, I've, just, get- uh, I've really played around with different carbide burrs just to find different textures. Okay. Um, I've even modified some of them. Like if you carbide burrs are like they call them like aggressive burrs, where they have like the really pronounced sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. Those give you really cool textures. And then I even started messing around where I would break off a couple of the teeth, and then you just have to really be careful that you don't you know sling the piece across when it catches on one of the dull spots. <laughs> but that even gives you even different textures. Yeah. Yeah. What um do you use a like is it pneumatic or is it a is it a, um is it electric uh, Fordham, like a, Fordham hanging carving units like wood okay. carver different people use them yeah I just use those with different the I've found like a couple of hand pieces that I really like a lot and uh, quarter inch burrs like carving with anything smaller you just taking it takes a long time to get through anything so yeah. I right. like a quarter inch shaft 
quarter inch shaft. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah I've buddy. been shooting a lot of reels lately, so those are just all like videos. It'll be spotty. Those are cool. Yeah, Dan, that uh, works for me. Dan, heck, napalm lungs. He he uses yes. one of these. He loves that thing, dude. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's excited to see you at the show too. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it is. It's gonna be something else. That's for sure. <laughs> we got to get you involved in the Machine Olympics, dude. Oh yeah, I'll find you a heavy hitter. Oh. Yeah, I, think I told you about this, dude. Okay, yeah, that's not so one of your you see, machines. <laughs> no, you see what I'm holding there? I have gotten emails when I started doing it because my hands are kind of wrecked from years of tattooing and building. I used to play bass. Um, I can't tattoo with back weight now any more than two hours, or my hand starts cramping up. So I've right. actually been using the Bishop, and that really helps out. I can tattoo all day with it. But it's also, I'm studying. I'm going to make a pen. Oh, cool. I, I don't doubt that for a second with you. It's something I can carve up and, you know, one off and uh, yeah. see what happens. I think that'd be rad. Like your textures on a pen, dude, I'd, I'd take one for sure. Oh, no yeah. doubt. There's I'll a lot we were, of one. It's mine. We were just not that long ago, uh, how, you know, there's nothing that's ever going to replace like the feel of like a handmade machine versus like a pen and like how much you can do style, you know, in a, in a style sense to like, you know, a coil or like a, you know, a direct drive or something like that. Right. And, a pen's you know, all know, the pen. It's a functioning so tool to have in the toolbox, which, you know, as a tattooer, you should have a full toolbox of tools yeah, to absolutely. accomplish what you're doing. Um, but yeah, it's hard to look at a pen as like something artistic. But well, yeah, well, and if like you know if you accomplish that then then you would fully prove me wrong that'd be great <laughs> like you know that's yeah, the plan I mean, i've got a lot of a lot yeah. of research i'm you know i don't know any machinists so like to prototype something because i don't have the, the machining abilities to make the thing myself which kind of sucks because like you know with machines i like to cut all the parts drill them all you know i cut everything from raw stock every as, as much as i possibly can i like to hand make with a pen right. It's going to be a whole different arena. I got to like learn, you know, CAD or, or find someone to design it. Um, my fiance is a pretty good, you know, designer with like CAD and stuff. So she might be able to do the uh, initial design work, but then I'm going to have, have to have a machinist make it. And yeah. that might take some of the love out of it, but I'm going to, I'd like to do it to where like the housing and the grip, maybe do it out of brass or stainless steel to where I can then take it and turn it into a one-off machine. Yeah. Yeah. Like a ball. Have you ever carved aluminum? What's that? Have you ever carved aluminum? I have, and it sucks. It just yeah. kind of turns gummy, and that's why, yeah, I wouldn't want to do aluminum. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I was curious, you know, like, you know, Hard it, it, tools, it, it, the, the normal hard. stuff I use, like aluminum, just like I did a couple of frames for a uh, market needle jig. He was, he gave me some of like his uh, little rotaries he was working on. I carved up some of those. I've carved up some old uh, Dennis Dwyer aluminum frames for a few people. Carving mm -hmm. aluminum is just not fun. Yeah. I was just about to say, I've been working with Market Needle Jig for several months. He's working. Oh, yeah, cool. Yep. He might Mark's be down in Columbus for Hell City. We'll see. Yeah, I haven't seen Mark in uh, see Cleveland three years ago is the last time I've seen him, but I love Mark. Mark's yeah, an awesome guy. guy. Mm hmm.
So, uh, what you guys been into? <laughs> what are you oh. going to interview? Yeah, gives let's, about us. Let's <laughs> interview you guys. <laughs> Listen, where, where, uh, where, where did you get your start? Like, when did you start tattooing? Yeah, uh, redirect. Redirect. Let me just take over the show. If you watch this, it's like, it's you know our story. Like, nobody gives a shit. No one's here again. <laughs> what, um, uh, yeah, where'd you get your start? I started tattooing in 93. Uh, Spalding and Rogers Super Saver kit. My dad bought me for Christmas because I got it. I got a tattoo like the year before from Marty Holcomb. And uh, it oh, just made cool. me want to become a tattoo artist. So I started pursuing it from there. Um, met, so I was playing in a band in our guitar player got a tattoo. So I was like, Oh man, I want to get a tattoo. I'd always wanted to get one. And just getting that tattoo gave me a career path. I'd been an artist, but I was trying to make it as a musician. And um, the light bulb came over my head, like, Hey, I want a tattoo. So I've, I met this, uh, one of her shows met this biker chick that she tattooed out of her house. She kind of start got me going. And then uh, I met up with a couple guys. I was traveling around for a little while doing easy rider conventions with this dude in like a short bus he had like a four station tattoo studio and a short bus we'd go to easy rider shows and then i got an apprenticeship after that and uh been doing it ever since bet you Man, what a way to on that bus huh? <laughs> oh dude he told me like when you come to the, fair, the fairgrounds that these easy rider shows are at don't drive your car on there because i was driving a toyota at the time he said they will torch your car overnight Oh, okay. I'd yeah. have to park off the fairgrounds and then walk in and meet him at the bus. It was just nuts. Why would they torture your car? Bikers in the 90s. Oh, it was a, it was it was a Toyota. It was oh, a Toyota. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you took your Honda instead? <laughs> right. But yeah, he's like, yeah, don't don't drive a foreign car into the biker and the fairgrounds and leave it overnight. They'll torch it. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It was a weird come up doing some Easy Rider shows. Yeah. I wish they'd still do that. Uh, uh, you know, to get a new car, I would just go to a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to one of the festivals, have them torch it. Yeah. Kind of run your insurance rates up. Yeah, that's crazy. Things are so so different now from when we started in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Night day. I mean, you can, you know, you remember trying to find equipment. Um, oh, you couldn't, yeah. Beatles, you had to know someone sometimes to get ink. Just... uh mm-hmm. Was it unique or Permapro? The guy in Texas who just calls calls a uh, like answering machine and puts your order in, then give him your credit card information. A week later, your ink shows up. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that, guy, that guy made the best ink though. Oh yeah, man, Permapro. I think it was either one. You know, yeah, unique dynamic. Or... Yes, dynamic. is unique or Permapro? But uh oh, recording stopped. We're so good, guys. Is that me yeah. then? It must mm-hmm. have been mine. I'm not sure. That was weird. Yeah, we're still live. We've got a um, handful of people watching and oh, cool. looking at your guys' right. faces. Nice. Hi. 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 Um, Hi. What did you, who, who was, uh, you said you had an apprenticeship. Who did you apprentice with? A guy named Kevin Lee in Columbus. Um, he doesn't tattoo anymore, but, uh, yeah, he, he basically, uh, there was a, a studio, this guy named Tim Miller. Tim Miller actually just died. He was a Derb's mentor. And then Kevin bought the studio off of Tim. 
And then I went to work, or I started apprenticing maybe like a couple months after Kevin bought it off of Tim Miller. It was one of Columbus's oldest shops, other than like a Marty Holcomb shop. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. How, how did you get your machines? Were they into machines or like? No. We had a, like, I, when I started, I had my uh, two little, um, it wasn't the Supreme, as you know, the Spalding machines. It was the, uh, I can't remember the name of the ones mm-hmm. that came in the kit. And then we went to a couple conventions and I got a few national machines. And then I got um, a couple Philadelphia Eddy machines. We went to a Philly convention a long time ago, like maybe in like 94. And I just started, look, I've always been a tinkerer. So I just started looking at my machines like, huh, I wonder what happens if I change this. I wonder what happens if I do this. Because uh, no one at the shop really knew anything about machines other than put some needles in it. And you, you know, run yeah. the people flash. Yeah. Yeah. So I just started experimenting. Like I was doing these things where, uh, I guess for a visual, so say off your your thing here, your rear spring, I would bend a spring and make almost like a curl, and then have the front front or the front spring come and meet that. So when it would come back, it would create this crazy ass tension and fire the armature bar back forward like twice as hard, and you could put a wow. fourteen there just and run it like a sharpie. Yeah. And that was some of the first weird modifying stuff I did. And then I started, you know, looking at the machine, breaking it down. Like, you know, if I bought this tool, I can make this. If I bought this tool, I can make that part. Mm -hmm. So then around, uh, I didn't start making machines till about 2000 is when I started getting various tools and started just figuring it out. Bought a welder, taught myself how to weld. Just, I did a, you know, no one around me, no machine builders in the area. I just had scratching back to the drawing board and just started figuring out how to make each part and then put it all together. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. yeah You're self-taught it, then. Yeah. yeah. The, the early days are probably the most fun days because you don't know shit. And you're just no. like figure it all out. That's like the very beginning of like all the adventures, yeah, you the know, quest for knowledge begins. You just yeah, get and obsess about it and figure out how, you know, what if I did this? What if I change this geometry, move this over yeah. a couple of kilometers? What will it do? Mm. And plus, I think like we all, I mean, I know like I, I probably started really building machines around 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, really building them, like getting like, you know, doing, you know, building on stuff that, you know, was my own stuff was probably like 2007. So it took me like that long to like, you know, put together parts and build stuff. Uh, and then, you know, I started figuring out like, all right, man, like the same thing. Like if I get this tool, then I can do this thing. And what happened for me was like, I learned how to use CAD earlier on. So I didn't have any tools, but I had a laptop. So, (laughs) you know, so design stuff and then, uh, you know, get it in the mail, MIG welded up, you know, very badly, you know, (laughs) like, you know, like, (laughs) <laughs> i have know. some of those oh yeah they're actually I mean, very nice their things run man they'll saw your fucking arm off but yeah. you know they're just you know they're better now and they'll still saw your fucking arm off so yeah, whatever just, <laughs> like, just metal engravers yeah yeah like oh, all kinds of crazy shit dude Mick, like yeah i was mig welding back then like early early and then i learned how to tig weld so i was doing yeah. that that's that's the process i use now yeah tig is um, the thing that I was never i was never good at brazing I never, I, I never, yeah, I'm I never, not that great at it. I've done a couple of frames where I took like a brass 
piece and then, you know, brazed it. Cause I wanted like a brass side. Obviously it's hard to make that, but uh, yeah. I've done some brazing. It worked out good, but I'm just not, not that skilled or proficient at it. I just haven't used it much cause I MIG weld everything. Yeah. yeah. I just got somebody that does it and like watch them a couple times. And I've just never, never, I mean, when I was up with Tony, like I, I, I've been at Tony's place a couple times, but uh <clears throat> Like we never like we never like you know fired up the oxyacetylene. There was just like yeah. you know there was like a tattoo convention going on or something. We just never I had rarely, I rarely um, braze anymore. I take a lot of this stuff, um, yeah. or I machine weld with screws, you know. But the, the brazing, it, it's it's easy, dude. It is. It's yeah. it's easy. The worst part about brazing to me is the cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I use different jigs when I braise than, than those block jigs because oh, yeah. I have to have access to the inside 90 yeah. plate and the side plates. Like if you the use the, the the jig with like the coils or something and the A-bars. That's what I do, yeah. 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 Got to be able to get inside and stuff. It's not super efficient, but I mean, it, it works for that. And I just, my problem is where my my workshop is, there's no ventilation and there's a lot of, a lot of smoke oh. that comes off of those. Oh yeah, that stuff is like so like so crazy. And, the, and those tanks I have are so big for me to move them, you know, up a flight of steps out in the backyard to braise a couple frames and then back down. It's just it's a pain. So I yeah. just kind of I I only do it with Damascus and um in the meteorites back in the day, but I don't, I don't do those anymore. I do have a piece of Damascus. I, and I think about it all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to braise this up. And then I'm like, man, I'm just going to go take something else together real quick. <laughs> no, you, it's just quicker like, for me. If you, if you reverse your polarity uh, and set, uh, set your, uh, your amp a little high, um, you could, you could, you could braise with a TIG welder easy. You just oh, use yeah. like silicone bronze filler. And then set your pulse setting at like one pulse per second, glob yeah. it on, and then come back and just like really steadily, just like ramp, yeah. ramp, ramp, and it just makes dimes for you. I made huh. a, I made a, I made a like an inside-out jig, like you know, two blocks on the side that like you can attach the um, yeah, deck two and the spring deck two, and it had a little slot that like you know the spring deck excuse me the side is like on the, is flat on the bottom so that <clears throat> you can brace from the inside yeah it was like a little thing that i made uh mm -hmm. i never really got around to using it i've used like you know i just like didn't like the look of like not having the weld on the outside it looked really foreign to me you know what yeah. i mean like you know, having a little quarter pipe on the inside was like weird like it was it was a strong weld but it just yeah. looked weird so, like i just started doing it from the outside and kind of like uh you know, because I, you know, I did some like steel to brass stuff, yeah. and you know, and like, like I said, you glob it on, like you get the stick on there, and then you clean it up real nice, and then you come back, and then gently like just make dimes, you know. Yeah. And it's it's really strong weld, super strong. Yeah. Me and uh, the, you know, uh, Mike Wilson came down, and we were experimenting with that for like a whole day, trying to get it, and we didn't get it, and then you know, it took a couple of months, and then I finally got it uh got it set up had the right electrodes you need like a a two percent lanthanated electrode uh to do that kind of welding because it's better with ac instead of uh dc typically you like you're like you know you're welding with dc 
but like for aluminum welding and like you know brazing and stuff you want to switch it to ac but uh it's possible like if you're a kind of welder you know you could you can you can do all that stuff um i mean I, I i'd like to explore more with it but i don't have the time to cut a bunch of brass sides <laughs> you know so you know maybe someday but not today but uh yeah it's always interesting to hear everybody's uh kind of process and technique and stuff um especially like you know the way you're mig welding everything and then carving it off the mig welds is like especially cool because it's like you, you add a, an extra 3d element to uh something like that so to a part that's like inherently 2d uh would you like to elaborate on that like you know your process for like you know having something to sculpt you know or making something so that you can sculpt it um as far as like just using the actual part of the weld for the sculpture part so well, just like how like what's your like what is you know like when you when you look at a part like how do you see what you're gonna carve you know like um i usually just when i'm finding a, a frame i i come up with like a my you know my geometry first and then i make a jig for like say the direct drives i do or the the armature rotary i'll make jigs for everything so that way my geometry is always on point and right. then from there i'll use a you know i figure out okay i want to be able to either leave this plane, pull it in, get a cart or shape or whatever. So I use material that gives me enough, you know, space where I could either leave it as it is and it looks nice or I could carve into it, but still have structural integrity in the frame. So I'm not getting thin anywhere. And right. then uh, as far as the welding, I mean, sometimes I'll leave, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if my welder's just on crack but I got this welder that uh, it's, it's just a 110 and my buddy had the exact same welder years ago. We bought them about the same time and mine welds twice as hard as his does. It's a Clark MIG welder. And wow. I don't know, maybe just, it came off the factory line on Friday when they were just trying to get out of there and they switched some wires around, but I have put like two inch plate yeah. together with this thing, just welded it like it was butter. Like, so I don't know. Butter. I just got lucky, you hot. know, my welder is just, you know, on steroids, but I don't get a whole lot of slag. It just, I don't know if it's just what, the way I figured out how to do it, but I get just yeah. beautiful little dimes that, uh, That's you awesome. know, you might have an eighth, eighth inch of uh, buildup, but it's not like a big goopy mess. Yeah. And just super hot penetrates really well blends everything together and just makes almost like a one solid piece of, of a frame out of three pieces that's cool awesome yeah did like there, carve it up and look for textures and i just like to uh I don't, it's like i guess it's my own personal ocd struggle like i'll, I'll kind of like envision where i want the textures to go the flow of it um i kind of look for yeah. just like nature organic shapes i used to study pictures of like coral rock formations like um sandstone that weathers away the mm -hmm. kind of like the the cavities and the caverns and the holes that that gets you'll see a lot of that and the way i kind of like design machines you know there's a lot of guys that carve machines and um love aaron's work but then a lot of people that get into it seems like they just really you know rectify his work and yeah, yeah. You know, Giggery. I just like to do, I made it a point. Yeah. You know, who doesn't love Giger? Giger's awesome, but I, yeah. that's not my style. My style is just organic and textury and more like nature. So that's what I like to do on the machines. 
I like yeah, I like really well. kind of a, a a smooth like a lot a lot of times Aaron uses like a lot of smooth surfaces and then juxtapose mm-hmm. uh some really like really cool like drilled out patterns and stuff um that spiral out of control which is like which is really cool um your stuff just seems to be like full on like you know like you're going for that corally texture which is like really really cool there's nothing smooth about coral you know no. i mean smooth like you know like you, you you probably you you know you make your shapes and stuff like that you you uh you carve it out but and i'm sure like you, you i don't know how you smooth it out like either put it in a tumbler or you know smooth it out on a wire wheel or something but uh, like, sanding sponges hand sanding um yeah, yeah. looks a lot really of times cool. like if you get kind of skip i've got a bunch of different burrs that i use like i need real aggressive burrs to get the, the initial textures and then after that um if you use like a cross cut kind of like finer tip burrs um mm-hmm. big like big ovals like the eggs that have you know minimal teeth kind of run that over the surface and knock off sharp oh. edge oh, and cool. then you know use your hand feel it if you feel anything sharp that might catch on your glove or whatever take sanding pads to it, bring that down. Um, yeah, I, I, I want them to look nasty, but you should be able to run a glove over it and not catch, you know, snag on anything. They can't be sharp. Right. Yeah. 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 What, um, uh, now here's, here's a fun question. And this is a question that like every tattoo machine builder gets is like, how long does it take to make one? You know? <laughs> and like, you guys are laughing because you know, it's like, it's, you know, like, not you got time like, invested. Like like me, I'm making like, you know, 10 sides at a time, 10 bases at a time, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I guess the individual, like putting it, you know, putting, putting it in a jig, welding it, you know, you know, painting it, you know, finishing it, stuff like that. But like, you go definitely go the extra mile. So like, what's the, you know, run us through like the timeline of like what your process would be like, you know, probably start to finish if you could, if, if, if there's a way you could do that. You know. I can try because a lot of times if I'm working on a machine, I'll work on it for a few hours and then the OCD takes me elsewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of times, like if I get an order, um, I tell people two, three weeks turnaround and I try yeah. to get it done quicker. But, you know, if I'm tattooing on a day, I usually don't do anything machine wise. Um, so I, I have the, you know, the days I'm not tattooing to work on stuff and get into OCD but uh, I just basically, I try to keep a stock part or stockpile of parts laying around. Like if I get an order for a machine and it's setting up the drill pieces after I cut them on the bandsaw, I'm like, well, I might as well do 10, drill 10 yeah. pieces with each drill, with each that, drill size, and then set those aside for, you know, the next time you get an order. So they're like, Hey, I'm ahead of the game. Um, yeah. Start to finish, you know, cutting out parts drilling it shaping it then welding it and then from there carving and then i get to ocd on what i'm gonna put on the the motor or the coil cores you know like one thing i've always done is i i've repeated designs based on request but i've never made the same machine twice everything i've done is they one off and that's just like you know my own little weird mental thing i don't want to repeat a design um kingpin he wanted me to do some machines for them years ago. Got a machinist, got him started making me, you know, based on a design of like a prototype or a, an assembly of a frame. And he got me 10 machines 
or 10 frames together, started putting them together and I hated it because they were all the same. Mm, they were yeah. going to be, they didn't want it, you know, Kingpin didn't want anything carved. They just wanted something they could put in their catalog. So I just decided to back out of the project and not do it. Wow. Yeah. Me and Tone, uh, like way early on before, I, I don't know if you were even doing castings. Like we had that conversation and yeah, uh, I mind, I wanted to do, I wanted to be able to repeat things. I wanted to be able to do the same thing over and over and over again. Cause it's difficult to like, you know, do like 20 machines and make them all perfect, you know, mm. like all the same. So that was my goal was to like, do like this production kind of stuff. And I remember distinctly, Tony was like, yeah, man, it's like, that seems super boring. <laughs> oh, it, it was. And then I think it was the highest it count. It was like 237 machines I built when I was yeah, like, then, then, then wow. immediately, and I was like, fuck this. I don't want to ever do this again. I don't want to ever do it. Like, I don't know. I, I like, I like that kind of feeling like, you know, being able to make fun. It's different now because, like, you know, the if I'm repeating anything, it's like low numbers. It's like ten, mm -hmm. you know, ten of one side or something like that. But I mean, uh, I was getting like five hundred casts at a clip dropped, and then I'd have to spin up a thousand coils. And yeah, dude, it was just it's when you're you're a creative type and you like doing one-off creative things. Yeah, it's it's like you could just feel this like oh my god i have 220 more to do i got 219 and it just sucks it's just it just was this pressure and, yeah. and i was very determined to have them all consistent run the same have the same way same balance same look so everything is consistent so when you picked one of mine up that's what you expected. That's what you got. Somebody said, yeah, yeah. I got one. This is how it runs. This is how it's going to run every time. So I had numbers, I had weights, I had specific materials, everything that I had to work with. And I just felt like I couldn't create anything else. It was just like mm -hmm. now a factory of one man. And that would drive me nuts. Insane, dude. So when, when I quit Kingpin, I was like, you know, the money was great, but sometimes. It, it doesn't mean shit like today it doesn't mean shit the money, i right. don't care about the money i yeah. care about fulfilling what i need to fulfill inside myself and creating and then my client having something awesome you know yeah like i yeah comfort you know in like, I, I find comfort in that repetition for me like yeah. it's like like i'm home when i'm like repeating things like you know like perfectly i you know what's funny is i time myself when i make parts like I'll be in, I'll, I'll like, you know, so I, I, I'm trying to get it down to like, when someone asked me that question, you know, uh, you know, how long does it take you to make a tattoo machine? Well, I'm sitting here making coil cores and there's like, you know, three processes to make a coil core. There's mm -hmm. like the rough cut, there's the face, you got to face it. And then you got to drill and tap. Um, do you so, what's that? Do you, neuro, do you neuro yours also put neurons nah. on them? I just glue. smooth them. Okay. I like to glue it because I like to get, I like to get, uh, I like to get that, that, uh, the coil washer as close to the surface of, uh, like I like to get the wire as close yeah, as yeah. I can to the, the core when it's it magnifies. wires you can on. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, just like, yeah, I just, I like to, like, if you knurl, 
you're going to press fit it and you're going to get like, I don't know, like a 16th of an inch on the surface of that coil core. And I like yeah. it to be like, I like it to be like 20 thousandths. Like yeah. I don't like a coil core sticking out that hits the armature bar, but that's neither here nor there. But when like, uh, you know, when I'm timing myself, it takes like one minute to do this process, a minute 30 to do this process, a minute 30 to do this process. So it's like, oh, okay, four minutes per coil core. You know, like, so do, do like, you log that all, all into like a spreadsheet? <laughs> uh, no, but I have, I have a lot of it written down. Like, I, like, yeah. I really, I really try to like, like, I'm, you know, like, you know, you're, you're talking about OCD. Whether you're diagnosed or not, machine builders, I think we yeah. all have OCD in some, some yeah. form. I think um, it's I have like, pro like, you know, just steps I need to do. It doesn't bug me if I go out of step, but I prefer to be in step with, yep. you know, when I'm, when I'm yep. making things, it just seems like it makes everything go smoother. Um, yeah, not yeah. me. <laughs> not, <laughs> not me. Dude, I could be in the middle of finishing a machine like, yeah, this is great. And I'll be like, ooh, shiny. I'm going to go work on this one over here. See you later. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I've got multiple care. projects in my workshop. Just there's stuff everywhere. Yeah. I know where it is. Like my white workbench is like, I've, I've never had a clean workspace ever. No. I like everything. <laughs> just It's almost like instead of being up on a shelf, let me just have it on the workbench so I can just grab it easy. But yeah. my brain remembers yeah. where I left everything. Isn't that like, crazy? Oh, I need I need this tool. It's over there. Well, it's, underneath it's, that book and the, the flash and, and and a bunch of dust and some old sanding belts. That's where I left it. Yeah, I it's it organized, awesome. organized chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like muscle memory, but it's your brain. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I don't know. Like I like, I don't know. Especially in the last, like I think the last maybe eight or nine years that I've been doing all handmade stuff. Um, it's, it's 10 times worse because there's so many things that could like go wrong in the process of making a tattoo machine for me, for me now. But there's a lot of like, you know, you know, I know this from drawing, like, you know, you draw something a certain way, you're drawing it and you draw it the same way. Let's just say you draw a rose, you're drawing it. And then like Tony said, that shit's boring to draw the same thing over and over again. So your hand deviates. And then when your hand deviates and when your mind deviates from like the normal uh, process, that's how you come up with those like aha moments and, you know, like, happy accidents can happen. I yeah, mean, try, try something different and you're going to get a shitty outcome or it's going to be the next best thing that, you know, here's a new obsession. Let me just get into this. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. next new thing is always thrilling. That's for sure. For yeah. Me. It's that's how I think you develop style over time too, is like, you know, you're, you're doing something over and over mastering it and trying to incrementally move on to master something else. Right. Um, and yeah, then what about that is like, you can go years doing the same thing and switch it up, do something else. And it opens up a whole new Avenue for you. And that's what keeps it fresh. That's like what keeps tattoo machine building fresh for me. You know, you figure out something. You're like, oh yeah, what the fuck was I doing this whole time? <laughs> yeah, you should always you should always try new things because, like, even just you know, I'm always looking for that next texture. How can I yeah. make it look different when I've done these textures hundreds and thousands, you know, thousands of times? I need something that looks different. Otherwise, I'm going to get bored with my textures. Oh, yeah. 
that's when you try different burrs, you try a different angle, you try a different, you know, foot pedal speed. Um, yeah. And just see what comes out. Oh, of yeah. It. Like, uh, you know, like even thinking about paint jobs, just like how to powder coat stuff. Oh, or yeah. Like, you know, like hydro dipping. I did a couple of those. I was like, all right, this is cool. <laughs> like, all right, you know, let me try it out. It looked cool to do a couple. You know, and just like just to like figure out how to do it was cool, like acid etching, shit like that. Like, there's so much stuff mm -hmm. that, like, you know, just in just finishing a tattoo machine, there's so many things, you know, let alone like building them and putting them together. So, it's, I think that's what always keeps it fresh for me. I've been kind of like, I've been, uh, lately I haven't been really building stuff for a little while. It's springtime at the shop and, I'm doing a couple conventions, so I was doing other things. I've been making a lot of pigment since like Thanksgiving. I've been making gallons of fucking pigment, so oh, yeah. uh, I'll have a lot of stuff. Uh, maybe like you know, late summer, early fall. I'm still making stuff, but like every time you know, I picked up like you know, like you know, like a five gallon pail of uh carrier and stuff like that, like trying to like figure stuff out. So I've been like you know, working on that for a while. So that's yeah. one thing I never got to do is like make pigment. I always heard like the, the old timers, they go like rent a cheap hotel room and yep. mix, mix it up there and then just oh, fucking uh, mm -hmm. ask for the maids to clean up or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, I never got, never got them yeah, for months. Yeah. Like I got a, uh, like I have an apartment, like I'm, I'm in, like I have two apartments that like our house is like an over under duplex and the apartment upstairs has a kitchen. And that kitchen's fucking obliterated right now. It's like, it looks like, it looks like a scene from Dexter. There's like plastic all over the floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stuff like yeah. that. So uh, I'm, I'm probably going to, I'm hopefully going to be finished up all my colors by May. And then, you know, they got to sit for about six months to a year. You know, most of them have to sit, sit longer than that. Uh, so they have what, to like. Kind of let everything mix together. Uh, it just cures, you know, it, it's, it's good to let it cure for a long time. You can't just mix it and then, and then start using it. But, uh, but that, like, that's been taking me out of the machine shop. So hopefully, you know, around May when that's done, you know, I got to hop back in and start like, you know, making some new sides and, you know, working on some different kind of bases and stuff. And a lot of times I see stuff that like people, you know, do with like CNC and I'm like, you know, I think I can make that. Like I could probably make something like that manually. You know, so there's a lot of inspiration out there, too. There's like, you know, like I, I saw, uh, was it Corey Rogers or something? He was like, post like your influences and stuff, like the guys that you think are awesome and stuff. And I, like, I was like, man, that's a really cool little thing. So like I put Tony up there. I put Soba, you know, um, my buddy George, George Keeler. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, who else was it? Oh, Jay Kelly who uh, should be on the show sometime soon at some point. But, oh, cool. Um, so, like, all these dudes, you look at their work and you're like, yo, man, they're doing something fucking cool. I want to do something fucking cool, too. But, like, you know, I have, you know, I have limited resources. I have, like, manual machines and stuff. So it's like, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to work on it. You know, I'm going to try to see something, you know, try to filter it through my own eyes, you know. Uh, man, a side story about Jay Kelly. He sent me an email a couple years ago. He's like, does this stuff look familiar? It was a picture inside his tattoo shop back in like 95 or 96 when tribal was the big thing. Yeah. I did a 30 page set of tribal. And he's, 
Yeah, 30 pages of tribal, <laughs> like anything you can imagine, ass rockers, armbands, just you know, wh wherever you want to put it on your body, I had it drawn. And I didn't anybody else, anybody still had this stuff, but he still got it hanging in his studio. It's like this big, long wall of tribal. And he's like, does this look yeah. familiar? I'm like, oh, shit, man. Oh, man, you got to you got to Grove tribal. <laughs> <laughs> you got to post that stuff. We have to see it. That shit's in, man. People love old it's stuff. Coming like back. It's coming back. Yeah. yeah. I know I've got, I've got a set of it somewhere at home, packed away in a box. I'm going to dig it out or something. Yeah. I have I mean, racks and racks and racks of that flash, man, in the 90s and 2000s. Yep. I, have, yeah. I probably have, oh, I don't even know, dude. I can't even tell you at this point. I probably have 500 racks, double-sided, filled, 1,000 <laughs> pages. That's 2,000 pages. Those were the days. Wow. <laughs> yeah, all uh, down. I, there's, we took all that stuff down years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't have any flash on the walls, nothing. We're more of a nah, just artwork here. We I'm gonna put it all back up. I got a big stack Trash. of stuff. I, I, I traded like a hundred dollars off of a tattoo machine for somebody, and I got like Ken Cameron flash, Bernie Luther flash, you know, nice. Greg Irons, um nice. all this stuff, all the national carry barber stuff, pinky union stuff, like you know, all this shit, man. You know, it just sits in a pile at the shop, but then I bring it to tattoo conventions and I tattoo it all. So, like, yeah. I know for fact a lot of these, a lot of people, like, I don't even know that they're looking for this stuff, but they find it and they love it. It's stuff's like, so relevant. Years, you know, well, it's like, like you kind of wonder, you know, history likes to repeat itself and it always yeah. goes in like 30 year cycles. I wonder if, like, the our age when we come up or, you know, coils and flash if that's going to kind of start being the, the end thing again hipsters will jump on it and hey, uh kind of a resurgence of the old days that's what happened yeah. with ernie carafa like you yeah. know what I mean? people started making machines again he was like oh i was making these a long time ago and then like he started making castings making machines again and he sold a lot of stuff before he passed away you know good for mm -hmm. him you know scott sterling same thing like, you know, that dude, you know, was making machines with Malone. And then you didn't hear about him for a long time. And then he, you know, started going off. And, like, now people, he's getting a bunch of money for, for tattoo machines. Good for him, you know? Yeah. Like, so maybe it'll happen for us. Who yeah, so, you know? To your point um, about the 30-year cycles, I saw that when I was a kid with the, uh, the 60s. And I grew up in the 80s, and people wanted to be hippies. Yeah. And now everybody wants to be 80s metal and right i was watching yeah. TV today that the 90s are back and the shoe gazing yeah. and the emo shit's heavy again which was like oh, it's funny seeing like the flip and now like even in the so tattoo much. industry even though we've gotten modern with pens and whatnot it, remember growing up there was like you would scoff at like a spalding machine oh definitely yeah. but now i got guys offering me 700 bucks for those really Baldings. yeah the supreme flat sides yeah. yeah the nationals the eagles they're all bringing money the um the coastals the the uh kaplans like all that stuff i thought was crap back in the day <laughs> national was good but you know in my mind i'm like this is crap because i was using mickey sharps and whatever 
and people were just buying them for like pennies on the dollar thrown in a box and now they're they're sought after by these young kids they want to buy all that stuff I mean, you know what i want to find the okay so going back to like i guess maybe what got me into machine building i had you know your basic mickey sharps you know your national stuff like that i came across i can't remember how i got it on if it was like a trade or what but it was one of those uh spider web machines that had like they were cast but it had yeah. like the buffalo nickel on it Yavanka sparked my passion to i was like whoa a machine can be a piece yeah. of art and that's what i yeah. think what spearheaded me getting into carving and turning machines into little yeah. works of art your, your machines lend you know like you can tell that influence in like the stuff that you do like if you if you look at like one of those spider web machines and look at one of yours like it's like you could see a lot of the same kind of moves even though yeah. i know that machine were, I, I i'd sold it years ago i wish i'd kept it i got yeah. i have like six of them what, what? Do you need yeah yeah you want a yeah, whole but, machine you want a frame doesn't matter i just love to have one again just because that that's that's probably what got me carving machines that's awesome lost yeah. you yeah they're like uh they're uh lost wax cast like investment yeah. they're like they're four thousand dollars now Jesus! <laughs> well, well, no, don't give me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't you know. know. I have a lot of them though. I I ended up. Um, I fell in love with that design, the Ivanko. The geometry is absolutely horrific on those, by the way, and the and it's like pot metal. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I fell in love with them, so I just bought a bunch off of Skyver. He had a box oh. of Franks he got from Spider. I met Spider. I just bought another one off of Mike um about a year ago nine months ago and i think oh. he has a couple more so when i hang up i'll 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 call okay actually this would be something new <laughs> we call that fool now i'm gonna call him right now how is mike man i haven't seen him in a while mike is mike <laughs> he's like he approaches me he's out take all us. i'll tell you what you call him that's the end of this podcast are you guys on uh, mike skyver right now is that what you said? I'm trying to get him. I uh, just happened to see him out in uh, Philadelphia, I believe it was, a couple months ago. Yeah, he oh, was yeah. on. Yeah, he was hanging out with uh, Frank DeMeo. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, Mike's going to outlive all of us. Uh, he just keeps on going and going. Mm. Mike. Fuck you, man. I'm going to outlive y'all. Uh. <laughs> no. You're live on the podcast, Mike. <laughs> Fuck a podcast. <laughs> what the fuck is a podcast? Is that the thing fucking frog set on? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> you guys hear this? So uh I went, I was just talking, you remember Chris DeWitt? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Machine makes machines and stuff. Yeah, he's on he's on the podcast right now. We're live actually streaming. Hey Chris. Hey Mike. What's so, up, Mike? Hey, Boat hey, I am. <laughs> so uh Chris, we were talking about spider web machines the Ivankos. yeah and i remember that i bought one off you at pittsburgh last year and you had several the fringe you mean oh the end machines yes yes i got shitloads up no i got a bunch yeah so that's his favorite machine of all time he ended up selling it but he's looking for one so i said how about we just call him now and see if he has one. Uh, 
through all a frame or one put together? Uh, beggars can't be choosers, man. Both? Either or. Either or. <laughs> <laughs> He's that either or, Mike. I don't know if you can hear him. He called me a fucking whore. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. I think this one's going to get the highest ratings of all the podcasts. Well, yeah, you, you get Mike on a show, man. It's just stardom now. Yeah, he just started. <laughs> What's that? We got to get you on here, Mike. Oh, uh, Kyle's been trying to do that for a while, too. <laughs> yeah, he should. It's fun. You'll be fun. You going to the show there this weekend? Yeah, there's the West Virginia Tattoo Expo this weekend. Yes, I'm gonna. You going on Friday? I'm, yeah, I'm gonna take some stuff up Thursday to and say good morning to everybody, and and then uh, come back back up. I'm gonna take the uh, fuck uh, El Camino up Thursday with some stuff, and then I'm gonna come back and bring the 51 Crestliner up uh, Friday. Okay, well, I'll see you there Friday. Um, you want to bring a uh, a built spider web up with you, and I'll grab it for Chris. I'll dig through stuff, and uh, I don't think I had any to take with me, but I'll, I'll dig through some shit. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, if you find a frame, bring the frame. If you find a complete one, bring a complete one. So I'll just buy it off I you. And... Hey, frame. hey, hey, can I say something? Yeah, okay. go ahead. Can you hear me? Can you hear? Uh, here, let me turn my volume hey. up. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hi, it's Greg DiGiacinto, Boat Anchors. I just wanted to say I love you and I miss you. I haven't seen you in a long time, and I hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm waking up not looking like that fucking Tony Urbani, so I'm doing really good. Oh, I guess we're all doing <laughs> You guys are all good. Man. But, yeah, I definitely know I have some frames left, uh, and... Uh, I, I, I bet uh, Johnny on the other line. He says, "What's up to Tony and Mike?" By the way, if you guys can hear me. Hey. Out of West Virginia. Who? Johnny out of West Virginia. Hey Johnny. Johnny B. What's Johnny up? Says, What's up, Johnny? Good. Good to see you, man. Good to see you this weekend, man. All right, I'll see you down there. Oh, is Chris coming too? No, Chris will be in Rubber City though. Oh, okay, then. All right, then. I'll see you uh, third Friday, then. All right, Mike. Have a good one, man. Me too. I'll hey, still Mike. Up. Later. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, don't Mike. Love that dude. That dude, that dude is absolutely irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. No one can fucking... No one can be Mike Skyver except for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Irreplaceable. Oh, I love him, man. He's done wonders for me. Yeah, dude, he's amazing. Super good guy. Yeah. 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 What he's I've like, kind of noticed about like, like our our generation of tattooers, we have the, you know our old timers that we look up to and respect. There's so many people in the industry now that I don't think they're going to have like the same old timer lore, like like us. We're becoming the old timers. You know, I don't think it's going to be the same kind of lore as what we have. In respect for our old timers, it's just there's too many of them now. Like, well, I mean, tattooers were spread out. You had like one major tattooer per big city. That, like, you have here's Marty Holcomb in Columbus. Cincinnati was Dana Brunson. You just you had like dudes spread out because there weren't yeah. that many tattooers back then. Now there's just you know our industry's just 
huge and there's way more tattooers. So you got your people that stand out, but I don't think they're going to have like the same, like the same respect level. Like, Oh man, you know, Mike Skyver, this, you know, once these guys are not with us anymore, people are kind of looking more towards the future. Like, Oh, this guy's doing the best work now. I don't think we're going to have like the same old timer love. 20 years. Uh, if you're if you're, doing, if you're doing tattooing as tattooing, if you're viewing it like oh this is what happens in tattooing, then there's probably a good chance that you'll have people to look up for, look up to, and, and you know like to to tell stories and stuff, uh, and you know kind of you know bridge that gap between the past and and now. But if you're looking at tattooing, this thing that we love as an industry, the there's a better chance that you're not going to give a shit about like anybody in the past or anything like i feel like there's like i don't know if there's a distinct line but the ind- i think that word industry is like not something that is synonymous with tattooing tattooing to me is like my family you know it's people mm-hmm. i love it's people that i love to see what they're doing i like to keep up with them and all that stuff but like the industry side of it is like not for me you know well, i think that- our stories like the old timers we have now you're gonna have way better stories like hey we did this blah blah, blah. like yeah. you know the tattooers that are out there now it's like the stories are gonna be like well you know i did my apprenticeship and came out yeah. the gate never made a needle i've got the best equipment yeah. available to me on the internet yeah I, I, I apprenticed on google <laughs> like fucking google apprentices you know yeah just- <laughs> my man- Google. I like to hear the stories of like what they went through, like the struggles they had. Like we had struggles in the nineties, nowhere near what it was in the eighties, nowhere near what they had in the seventies. Just, you know, they're, they're trying to get equipment, trying to get supplies night. You know, that was part of their struggle. And then just, yeah. uh, you know, dealing with the public and, you know, they're going to have just way better stories than, than we're going to have. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's all relative, dude. I think it's yeah. all relative and we're the guys like the generations ahead of us. Now, I don't know where we are in the grand scheme of things. I think we're slated to be the next old timers. I agree with that. Well, yeah, we're getting old. Uh, Cause we have time in, we have time served and time right. served is experience. Like I have a kid that works for me. He's been tattooing one year. He's my apprentice mm-hmm. one year. I've been tattooing almost 35 years. The, the amount of stories and experience I have that he tries to tap from me is just, it's nonstop. Like I could sit with him for a, a month and talk straight and it, it doesn't even touch the tip of the iceberg of what I've been through. And I think there's a lineage there where, I mean, speaking for myself, when I got into this, I got to a certain point in my career where I was about seven years in before the seven years in, I was like, fuck tradition, fuck those old timers, fuck all that old shit. This is the new way. But Mm -hmm. then I came to realize what the community meant, what the lineage line looked like, and who suffered in the beginning to bring this to surface. So I think you're going to have both sides of the coin where there's going to be people like, fuck history, fuck him, fuck that. You know, not to be vulgar, but I like that. But um you'll have the other side of the coin where there's going to be people who like myself just had this desire for information and his, uh, I like history. I like antiques. I like, I, I love tattooing. I love the community. So I want to know everybody. I want to know everything. I want to try and help. I want to give back. I want to carry information. So 
when I met Mike, he started to teach me about lineage. He started teaching about history and it opened me up to like the who, what, where, when and why and how we got here. So I came to appreciate that. That all being said, again, half of the coin's going to want to know the same thing. We are the yeah. carrier of that information because once like Lau's gone, you know, once Dana's gone, Moose yeah. is gone, you're not getting that information. Who knew them? We knew them. We sat with them. We talked to them. Just like Jerry Rieger, who's he's gone. He was one of my mentors. His mentor was Doc King. He knew Doc King. Doc King died before I met Jerry. So I got to learn about Doc King. Jerry spent time with Paul Rogers. And I went down this whole lineage where I wanted to know and meet everybody who knew Paul. I just had this obsession compulsion. Like, I got to know. I got to gotta know. Got to know. There will be guys like that are like, oh, this is a quit Chris DeWitt machine. It's 2091, the year 2091. Who was Chris DeWitt? <laughs> who knew Chris? Well, yeah. this kid worked in Columbus that knew Chris. Well, let's go talk to him. Yeah, I knew Chris. These are stories about Chris. I think that'll just cycle. If you have some sort of, I don't want to say significant because I don't think I'm significant in any way. I'm just a dude. But I think the way some people appreciate the lineage lineage in the business will have this desire for information about their history. You know, well, I just wonder if we're gonna have like some of the, you know, like from our generations, I mean, you know, and even like the 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 newer tattooers now, like our old timers, we've got some characters. Like Mike's just awesome. Like I remember and you know, being at conventions, like running into Philadelphia, Eddie walking around with his two screwdrivers. Um, yeah, we, yeah. we were in a urinal oh, next yeah. to each other, and he fucking like spilled one of his screwdrivers down my leg, and I was like, oh, "That was fucking awesome!" You know, yeah. just uh, he was a he was a character. Just I don't. I wonder People. if we're gonna have some of the old time characters because they came up in hard times that we haven't experienced, and then especially the the new, newer generation tattooers haven't had to go through struggles of like you know, making your own needles and finding equipment and stuff like that. So they're going to have their own different stories, yeah, but I don't think they have like some of the bright characters like, like Mike, you know, just. Nah. See, I disagree with that because I know guys now that are in the game for like five, seven years and they're just, I'm attracted to their character because they're just so fucking ridiculous because yeah. they're and they've had struggles. They're like you said, they're different. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to argue the point at all, but I just think, well, it's just going to be, I guess it'll be just not what we know. It'll be, you know, no. their stories, the, the answers they do. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. There could never be, like, new things wouldn't exist and new ways wouldn't exist if there wasn't old ways, you know? So, like, you have to respect that. Like, right. You don't have to respect anything, but you have to respect the fact that, like, there's something that had to come before you for you to be able to, like, do something your way. You know, like that, that is ultimately like what every, that you know, that's going to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat, you know, like you said, 2091, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, there's you know, like, like, a, I mean, some people have that, some people have that appreciation to, yeah. to their roots and some don't, yeah. you know, so, I mean, to yeah, be fair, well, we don't know it, where it's going to go. It's but. like, you don't have to like have an appreciation for anything you know but those those who those who do cherish those you know stories and stuff mm -hmm. um i think you know and like like i said like it's you know viewing tattooing as 
tattooing and like these are my friends these are my this is my family these are this is like people that i want to be around there's people i want to absorb energy from you know there's not one fucking ceo in you know some hedge funded you know uh corporation slinging fucking cartridges like i don't care about that person (laughs) you know what i mean that's not somebody i want to you know i could care less you know you know, when, when you meet me and when I meet you and we meet on the same level and we exchange ideas and we have fun, we're, that's, you know, that's, that's not a bond that's easily forgotten. And for me, that's what tattooing is. Right. You know, that's the, th- those are the yeah. things, that, you know, and like, you know, and, and, you know, the, you know, and not for nothing, not to dog anybody, but like, you know, these, you know, corporate tattoo industry fucking cornballs are, you know, like they're never going to get that. And then when they suck tattooing dry, they'll just move on to the next industry to bleed, you know, and good for them. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, maybe those people aren't the ones that, that people should look to to find some kind of lineage and like, uh, you know, maybe, you know, kind of look to the past and like kind of look at it in a way where it's a uh, it's it's awesome to think about where you came from those people aren't going to be around those people will move on to something else but there's people like us that'll always remember and that'll that'll keep the torch burning for the next generation you know whether the whether the next generation gives a shit or not is up to them and with that because i gotta go do tattoos so love you man uh, it was uh i love i love you too tone it was awesome to talk to you chris and uh, you too man I'm going to watch the rest of this podcast later to see what you guys, how much shit you guys talk about me. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. But uh, thank you so much for being a guest. I'm sorry. I got to hop off early, but you know, duty calls. So I got to roll. Take your business. Where can everybody find you? Uh, Well, shit, man. Um, You know, I make tattoos at my shop, Mr. Blue Sky Tattoo in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. If you want to get something cool, Hit me up at uh, Veritas MFG on Instagram. If you want a machine, let me know. Uh, and uh, I'll be at the Saratoga convention this weekend with a fucking pistol case full of burners. So let's fucking get it. You know, so, <laughs> and that is that. So, uh, you know, I'm going to hop off. I'll see you guys later. All right. Have a good later, day. Man. Be later. easy. Peace. Peace. You know how to work that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what's next on the agenda for you, man? Like, what do you have um, planning in the future? I know you said you've been dormant from conventions and the public eye for years. Yeah. Like, uh, kind of getting through our COVID times, just, you know, doing stuff. Got into farming or gardening chickens. Uh, got into pouring epoxy resin. Got into making knives. I'm just, you know, a lot of irons and fire. Yeah. Jack yeah, of trades, master killer, and then... What's that? Yeah, I, like, I, I love your knives, too. Like how you incorporate your style into everything. They're beautiful. Yeah. Is that the one you're bringing me to the show? You want this one? It's just my <laughs> personal carry. I'll give it to you. No, 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 no. If you make me one, though, I'll take one. I'll definitely yeah. buy one off you. I support, I support you, man. That would be amazing. I, I I'm a uh, fine knife collector myself. Okay. Actually, my my stepfather bought a bunch of like one-off knives from the '70s from these. They're like famous knife makers, mm-hmm. and I he passed away last year, and I inherited his 
like 90% of his collection. So I'll have to get together with you and show you some of that stuff. So yeah, I, I've always had an affinity for knives and knife makers. I made one knife in my whole career um, and it was terrible because I don't know what I'm doing. Hard. It yeah. is a hard thing to do. He was good at that was um, Ernie Della Peruto. He was, yeah. he was, yeah. his pin work was just stupendous, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he incorporated that into machines which which is pretty dope too but yeah, yeah once i else? started getting in the knives like i talked with ernie a few times um when i first started getting in the knives because i knew he made them and uh he kind of turned me on to some different things but then once i started like really looking at knife makers handle work and less it was like oh it's just ernie's just doing that on his machines cool yeah not cool yeah yeah so, so what, I, what else I you to? all that stuff now but yeah it's cool when you have tools like that in your arsenal because you can incorporate it into machines you can incorporate something you learn from building a tattoo machine into your knife making into your mm -hmm. hot rod building into your painting into your whatever with that creative mindset right just gives you new uh tools in your arsenal a couple more tools in the toolbox to uh achieve what you're kind of uh, obsessing on at the moment right 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 so you you're farming which I got into that. Well, I too. call it farming. It's it's on an acre an acre yard, but you know we've dug gardens. Yeah, still farming. It's <laughs> yeah, a lot of work. I think that's yeah, a lot. Yard keeps me busy mowing it. I had a twenty by twenty um, garden that I was growing on. Man, that was like a full time job. Yeah, um, I grow a lot of tomatoes and peppers. Yeah, and, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do like squash and corn and stuff this year. I made like we doing a garden on the other side of the house now, but. Um, I like to be able, I eat a lot of salads. So I like to just basically get a bowl and walk out there like, oh my, okay, pick this. Here's a tomato. Here's a pepper, just this, that, and just go out and pick my dinner. Yeah. That's how my girls with tomatoes. Like I'm, I'm not a big fan of tomatoes, but really? I, I grow them for her. Like I I've obsessed on them just so she eats them like grapes. Like yeah. I, I grow those little, the great cherry tomatoes and the grape tomatoes. Okay. And I'll go out there and pick 40 and put them in a bowl and I'll come home from work and they're gone. She just, she <laughs> loves it. So oh, I, do it, I, I do it for her. Yeah. It, it, it's cool to see something like come from nothing and produce and people enjoy, you know, it's the creative mindset, I think, that triggers that in my head. So I enjoy it. Yeah. And it's cool. I go out there with my headset in and I just, I listen to jazz and I, groom and do all this stuff and it's kind of relaxing a lot of weeding but, trimming yeah it, it, it's different so what's next man like you're tattooing i know you haven't done a convention in a while i know you're coming to the rubber city show which is mm -hmm. going to be fantastic and you're going to be posted up with rich helton at yep. the blood money booth so uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be doing any conventions before then, but uh, I'm just going to start making some stuff. You know, I have a few machines with me. Um, kind of looking into, I'm researching, like I was talking earlier, maybe getting a pen going. Yeah. There's a lot to learn with that. Though. Like I said, I can't do any of the work myself. I'm going to have to you know, find a machinist to make my designs and prototype. I'm going to have to find someone you know, that's just willing to do a couple, you know, run off a couple pieces for me. A normal machine shop's going to want to yeah. run like a thousand, but I've got to prototype everything first and then tattoo with it, make sure it's going to work right. And I can't do any of that work myself. I don't know my way around a mill to save my life. 
right yeah i mean you could talk to greg about some of the prototyping stuff too um i have connections i have a guy who's a good friend of mine who does like small batches for me of certain things okay i do when i do productions yeah so i get you in touch with him but uh let's see what else are you still doing sculptures you still painting uh haven't really done sculptures as much kind of knife making took over the passion for a bit and uh i'm actually i was looking at some of my instagram stuff i haven't made a coil machine i think in like four years just uh, people order stuff from me it's rotaries i'm not allowed to talk to you anymore uh well no i'm, <laughs> I'm missing making coil machines i've got a couple of frames that i'm buzzed together i'm gonna start uh just if, if no one buys them like i've got a coil machine in my box that i made in 2015 and i didn't really carve it up much i just kind of did it more plain looking it's like an old style yeah. frame and just kind of plain no one wants it because it yeah. doesn't look like one of my machines yeah so like that, when I that think it so yeah, yeah like even when i do a coil machine it's all carved up and crazy but i didn't do this one that way so i'm just like well i just gotta stick with my own style and carve it up i'm even thinking about just taking this machine apart and redoing it carving it up make it more of my style but yeah it's, it's really cool. but yeah, yeah i kind of i'm missing making some coil machines so even if no one buys them or wants them i'm just going to make some coil machines i might do another style of rotary another direct drive keep it fresh yeah. gives me something new to obsess on and work on and then yeah i mean i think i think if you do a mixture of both and bring them out you're going to sell them dude people will definitely dig on your rotaries and uh there there's a resurgence of coil guys specifically liners yeah out there because in my opinion nothing can beat it like time-wise efficiency-wise i mean it's cool you, you use whatever works for you but i've noticed a lot of people turning back and getting into either i don't want to call it nostalgic but the efficiency aspect of a coil liner and the artistic aspect like dude your machines are cool to look at and they function fantastically and they last forever compared to a little motor that'll burn up in a couple of years right so price point wise you know 500 bucks for a coil 600 bucks for a coil versus 1500 for a pen that's going to cook mm -hmm. you know i i in comparison wise i dug at mike dug those paul rogers machines out of the fire and gave them to me and they fired up Granted, really? they need to clean up and tune, but they fired up. And, you know, they were from the 80s, early 80s. You know, I have stuff from the 50s, coil-wise. They still run. My Jensen's, they still run. I got a machine from the 30s. That still runs. Like, think about that. That paid for itself a zillion times over, man. Oh, yeah. So I, I, you know, th there's definitely a market. People are doing. They're buying them still. They buy them for me. Ugly, clean, carved. They still buy them. But it's there's more. Like ultimately, I go through my machine steps because I want to get to the carving point. That's my most favorite thing to do on machines is the carving. So uh, there's there's more room on a coil machine to carve than there is on a rotary frame. So yeah, kind if you of get that. You get that pen up like a bulky pen up, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Excited to see what you do. All right, you want to add any last comments? It's getting to be about that time. Um, um, 
no, I'm just looking forward to seeing you, man. It's been a yeah, minute. you too. Yeah, I'm going to be up at Akron this weekend, but you're still, you're still yeah, it's like hours. a little over two hours away, just over two hours. Um, yeah, but I we're mean, actually, July's going to come out, be more like two and a half, but yeah. So July will be coming up quick, July twenty yeah. thirtieth. You're gonna be up there all weekend. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, yeah. So where can people reach you if they want to buy machines? What's your Instagram? Your studio? Uh, Instagram's Amoeba Designs, spelled weird, but you can find me. You can probably type in my name, look it up there. Um, AmoebaDesigns.net. It's like a link tree thing. Takes you to all my different uh, web avenues. And you can find me tattooing at Riot Inc. Ohio in Columbus. There's two shops. I'm at the Powell location, RiotIncOhio.com. And you can find me here. <laughs> I see you. Find you on YouTube to get the information. And yeah. my name is Tony Urbanic. I work at Inca Dinkadoo in Pittsburgh, PA. I run the Rubber City Tattoo Invitational. I build machines at T Urbanic Machines. And my Instagram's at Tony Urbanic. If you have any questions, hit me up anywhere. I'm always around, always tattooing, always build machines, and always causing mayhem. That being said, I'd like to thank Lauren for her time, Gabe Ripley, Guy Atchison, our special guest, Chris DeWitt, who is a master machine maker and a good friend. Um, Greg DiGiacinto from Mr. Blue Sky, who is you my said his name right. yeah, that's right. DiGiacinto. <laughs> I always say it wrong. It was like Diagiacinto a couple of times, and I can't spell it. Like yeah, it's it's I kind of it strange spelling. Yeah, he always gives me grief. You know, and it's early when we start. And I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but uh, we were supposed to have Mr. Uh, Rich Helton on today. He unfortunately had to cancel because he has a bad cold and he didn't want to hack over us all day, but he sends his love. Um, hope you feel better, Rich, and appreciate the network of reinventing for letting us do this thing. Until Indeed. next time, machine thumb, baby. And we'll see you later. Bye, Chris. Bye, man. I'll talk to you soon. Right on. Hey, Chris, before you hop off. Yeah. I will be 